When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's going on, everybody? This is Vince coming to you before the show. Just want to remind you that what you're about to hear is a combined episode for the miniseries At the House. It's a partnership between Wild Black and You Had Me at Black. And today is a really special episode. Because of what's going on in our country right now and all the resistance and protest we see happening in our streets, online, on TV, I wanted to bring something to you to help, right? So when the protests die down, what can you do, right? What acts of resistance can you push forward to make sure that we don't lose momentum? And that's what today's episode is all about. While you're listening, think about how you feel. Think about what it means to you. And then make sure that you go over to You Had Me at Black and you hear the personal stories of resistance that they're telling. The combination of You Had Me at Black and Wild Black on acts of resistance is powerful. And that's what we need as we move into the next phases of this uprising. Don't stop screaming for the justice you need. Be diligent in finding new and alternative methods to show acts of resistance and put pressure on the people who would oppose and oppress you. Remember, we are here to help. You had me at Black is here to help. Listen, enjoy, share, and make sure you go over to You Had Me at Black and check out their stories on acts of resistance. Peace. Enjoy the episode. What's the change that you want to see? Presently, the change that I want to see, the greatest change to me is within us. Mm. That our, when we really consume and ingest, that our superpower is that collective strength. That we can uplift Black men in life and not have to hashtag them because of death. Yeah. That's change. Yeah. And that we can consciously, anytime we go to check out a goal, if we resist Amazon and go to We Buy Black Mm -hmm. and Black and Green and the Village Market, unconsciously we say, wait, let me go find a Black person that I can buy this same thing from. Mm -hmm. That's just as essential. But the purchase is much more intentional. That's right. That's changed to me.
Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. That would be where Art normally says, welcome back. Art is on vacation today, so I'm a little bit jealous. But really, I'm probably the lucky one because of what we get to talk about, and more importantly, who I get to talk to today. But you know, I'm not going to tell you that immediately, right? Today we are talking about acts of resistance, but not the way you would normally think. This is not about protesting. This is not about any of that, even though very effective methods. Today, we're talking a little bit about alternative ways to resist, alternative ways to protest while making sure that we are together. But there's a couple things on my mind. We, we have been through a lot, right, over the last several years. And even now with all this new attention focused on us, it is stressful, right? And I, I hate we've gone through it the way we have, but I am grateful that the masses have decided to join in. Now, I can go deep down that path of thinking and share how I really feel about it. There's some positive, there's some negative, but I'm going to live in the space of positivity today. So, whereas I'm glad that so many of our white counterparts are interested in our struggle, in our success, in our lives, but we know better, right? We cannot expect the sentiment to last forever because when it's in our own community, it doesn't last forever. So I want us to be better prepared for the days the protests stop, when the marches are no more and the news cycle has ended because it found its new shiny object. What do we do then? How do we resist? How do we inspire? How do we keep our foot on the pedal for change? And above all of that, how do we get creative, right? Because as they learn our moves, they can predict them. How do we get creative and stay in this position? Now, that's where today's guest comes into play. I want to introduce Dr. Key. Dr. Key, welcome to Wild Black. I am so happy and honored to be here. Good, good, good. Dr. Key is without question an Atlanta and soon-to-be national treasure. If you don't know who she is, then I'm so excited to be the first to introduce you to her. She is a creator, a visionary, and the founder behind the Village Market. What is the Village Market? I'm sure you're asking. I won't do it justice, but I'm going to try. It's a collection of black businesses that Dr. Key cultivates, curates, and delivers to the public in the form of seasonal markets. I promise I'm not doing this justice. She will do it better, but bear with me. When you're there, you get amazing black-owned businesses, food, product, inspiration from the vendors, the entertainers, the speakers. I've had the pleasure of being there, and it's something that you feel all the way down in your soul. It is not just a place to shop. It is a place that moves you. Now, Knowing that today's episode is all about acts of resistance, why is Dr. Key our guest today, right? She does business. She helps businesses shine. Think about this. Where do you buy your personal care items from? Where do you buy your clothing from? The watch you're wearing, the purse you want, where did it come from? If you're honest, if most of us are honest, it came from a department store, a local boutique, a high-end luxury store. But in most cases, it did not come from a Black-owned establishment. So, in Dr. Key's case, she is pushing for change, creating acts of resistance by helping you to both figure out how and train yourself to support black businesses much, much more than you do today. She represents acts of resistance because 
the country's retail systems, the banking systems, the capitalistic nature of the environment that we live in all expect you to put your dollars into the places that they own. When it comes down to protest in this country, there are not many more powerful than those focused on the dollar, your dollar, the black dollar. So that is why she is here today. Dr. Key, why don't you tell the folks just a little bit more about yourself and something about the village market and what you're doing? Well, first, I need to take you everywhere with me. <laughs> that's, the, that's the new rule. You go everywhere with me and, talk about, and talk about the village. <laughs> um, but as I said, I'm so honored to be here. And I am a proud native of Mississippi. And before you heard I ever, that, you heard that Mississippi. Yes, Mississippi. One time. That's right. Um, proud native of Mississippi, and before I became an entrepreneur, I will say I saw entrepreneurship my whole life. Mm-hmm. My grandmother, seamstress in the Mississippi Delta. My grandfather, mechanic. My other set of grandparents, farmers. Nice. I've, I've always seen relationships and community. Right. That didn't prompt me necessarily to be an entrepreneur when I first started. What I absolutely loved was watching people from Mississippi sit on the porch and talk to each other and knowledge share. Mm. That prompted me to want to be a teacher. And so before I became an entrepreneur, I was a teacher in the Mississippi Delta, working on my doctorate, and then I transitioned to the Department of Education. Mm. So when Mm. folks ask me, Dr. Key, who are you? I always say, before I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a teacher. Right. I'm a lifelong student as well. And I love to write. I love to ride my bike all over the city of Atlanta. I see the live, I see the videos. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it too, I must say. <laughs> it's my thing. It's my thing. Um, but I am truly just a, a human figuring out this this whole life thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. grateful to be in the space, um, being deemed a leader. Yeah. But I'm very, very well clear. earned. Well earned. Yeah, I, you know, I have some checks behind me, so I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> for that. But I am, I am very proud to have birthed the village market. And as you stated, if I hear people talk about Wakanda so much after they saw it. And I've told people when I was trying to articulate the village and no one could kind of see, if they hadn't been, they can't see it in their mind. Right. And then Wakanda came out. And I said, you had a glimpse into what the village is. Mm. What Wakanda symbolized was black excellence. Yes. Was black commerce, was black technology. Yes. Was black leadership, was black creativity, was black excellence, black love. I and love that it. is the feeling village warm, market. Feeling warm. From the toes. Man, all the way. All the way. But that's the village market. Love it. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I love it. All right, well, are you ready to jump in? We got some wild black shit for you. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, all right. Listeners, you know. You know how wild black shit works. We got three questions. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. 
In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Questions. Two are kind of fun. Warm you up. The third question is our signature question. And I am honestly excited for the answers we're going to get today. So I, I'm not going to do this section justice. You know Art does this. So I'm going to give you all I got anyway. So question one. It's about popular black catchphrase, right? So when I give you the catchphrase, I want you to tell me who says it. Keep in mind. A little tricky, right? Because all these aren't celebrities. So we, we, we're going to have fun with it. We're going to start easy. Who says peace, love, and soul? Oh, I feel, is that from... Peace, love, is, and soul. Is that Soul Train? It uh, is. Don Cornelius. There you go. Look at that. Okay, I we, still got my black card. Okay. We ready, we ready, we ready. <laughs> um, number two. Who says, thank you for coming out. God bless. Good night. Is it Russell Simmons? It is. It is. Okay. Thanks okay. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. At the end of every deaf comedy jail. Oh, see. Okay. Okay. You, you're going to get this next one easy. Okay. Simple. Take that. Take that. Oh, is that the phrase? <laughs> Uh-oh. That's not good. This is a bad start. <laughs> Uh-oh. This is not good. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is more hip-hop. Take that. Take that. Everybody in their car right now is dancing. and You, you know who that one is. Do I? Yeah, you know who that one Uh-oh, is. Uh-oh. This is not good. <laughs> I, what I will say is he's done so much, it's probably overshadowed this line. That was Diddy. That's what he used to say oh, in most I of his old rap. Yeah, I would not have gotten it right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, now, these next two can be attributable to quite a few people. So we're going to have some fun. Um, I know in my life who said this one, but the statement is, don't let, your mouth, don't let your mouth write a check that your ass can't cash. I feel like my grandmother said that my whole life. <laughs> I literally say every black grandmama. Every black grandmama. <laughs> All right, the, the next one, the last one for this one. Stop running in and out of my house, letting all my good AC out, and turn off the damn lights. Mother and grandmother. <laughs> Mother, grandmother, dad, anybody Everybody. who paid these bills. Yes. All right, question two. Uh, this, one, this one I'm really interested in, right? So we're going to play a game of word association. So what or who comes to mind after each word that I read. Ready? Activist. Nicole Hannah-Jones. Revolutionary. James Baldwin. My guy. That's my guy. Yo. That's my guy. James, it, it's like he was born when he was, but he was speaking to us today. 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 The ancestors knew that we would need him today. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell That's you. That's my guy. I've spent much time like, who is our James Baldwin of today, right? Yeah. And we need him to be, or her to be, you know, slightly different. But I want, who is inspiring us the way he did? And why weren't we talking about him the way we needed to 10 years ago, five years ago? Because that brother, I could go all day. I'm going to stop. We were being inundated. They didn't want us to talk about him. True story. Yeah. True story. Because that brother, he, he, he's dangerous. When he you really get to that. dangerous. Man, hey, please. You've heard me talk about James Baldwin many times. His, uh, his quote about rage and becoming conscious in America as a black person is the, the root for the show. Please go do your research. Go learn about mm -hmm. Mr. James Baldwin if you don't know. Next one, Rebel. Bell Hooks. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, Bell Hooks. All right, Leader. 
And while At black, this time, Michelle Obama. I love that one too. While black, while she's talking, I don't want her to tell you anything more about these people. I want you to go do your homework. Go, you should be used to homework by now. Go do your homework. Last one, change agent. These young activists and protesters, the last three weeks. You know, that's, that's a good answer. Absolutely. Because they're doing things differently. They're doing it their way, and they're making a lot of noise with it. From social? All the way around. All the way, all around. The way around. They have taken the last three weeks, everything that we've used as convenience, mm-hmm. as a means of protest. Mm-hmm. So they they win in the change agent space. Mm-hmm. They win. And they deserve this win. I agree. Now, I will say, in my mind, I think that's you. Oh, right. I, you. I honestly do, right? And, and, and while Black, this is not because she's sitting in front of me. Um, this is because I've got a chance to watch up close and from afar, like what she's doing and how she's changing the way we interact with Black business, right? Go do your homework on her too. Stop playing. All right. The third question, the signature question. What do you love? Pause. What do you love most about Life While Black? What I love most about Life While Black are experiences like this. It's all right. And one of our first conversations when I felt I've known you my whole life, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a familiarity in the cadence of Black. Amen. In the safety Amen. of Black. And it's nothing that we have to say. Right. It's the rhythm with how we say it and how we choose. It's the way that we, when we are conscious, the way that we see each other. Mm. That is... I, I am so thankful for the, the black air that I breathe. I, love, I never thought about my air as black. Absolutely. I love that. Black Absolutely. Air. I'm with that one. <laughs> that's, that's a new, like, my air is black. You know, my air is I'm, black. I'm all right with that. Okay. You know, I, I agree. Pinky came on, and I forget the exact words that she used, but it was, oh, it was like basically we had our own language. And it's sometimes audible, it's sometimes verbal, it's sometimes not. It's just like, we exude a communication that is understood and felt between us, mm-hmm. especially when the wavelengths are anywhere near similar. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. I think she mentioned it as being like a nod. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a vibe. You can say so much in that. Yeah. yeah. It's a vibration. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Good way to put it. All right. So the dope quote today, the dope quote is typically from the mouth of someone black. It anchors the episode. Um, it can come from philosophy, religion, education, science, mathematics, entertainment. It really doesn't matter, right? Because we speak truth into every industry and aspect of life that we exist in. So today's is, it is not light we need, but fire. Not the gentle shower, but thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind, and the earthquake. And that's by Mr. Frederick Douglass. When you hear that, what comes to mind for you? What I hear most is that the last couple of weeks, I've always, I've also seen, like this respectability politics, mm-hmm. how black people should, proper black people mm-hmm. should respond, and I think what Frederick Douglass is saying here, there's no, there's no such thing as that. Mm-hmm. Fire is necessary to burn things down, mm-hmm. and. I'm happy that he wrote that so many years ago. Mm-hmm. So applicable. So, uh, absolutely, because resistance is in those words. Mm-hmm. And discomfort live mm-hmm. in those words. So so that's that's what I hear. 
And I may be tweeting that tomorrow, actually. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll make sure one. you had a whole thing in front of you. Absolutely. I loved it because it spoke to me on so many levels, right? There's the obvious, uh, not light, but fire, not gentle shower, but thunder, uh, not storm, but a whirlwind and an earthquake that feels like this massive force that, that cannot be contained in all aspects, right? And I think that's what we see happening. But the reason I picked it for this episode was that, but also it's, it's the fact that, you know what, sometimes it's not a whisper that gets it done, but a scream, right? Sometimes it's not a subtle nod, but it's a complete redirect. It is grabbing someone, some group, a group of people, and saying, hey, you know what? There is a better way. Let me show you how to do it, and let's do it with urgency. Like, let's get on this right now. Let's make noise. Forget being quiet. Forget being sensitive. Stop being apologetic. Just get out there and make this change happen. That can be in protesting, in business, in real estate. It can be in religion. It can be in any aspect of life that you as a black person feel like you need to have a more a bigger grip on, a bigger handle on, and much more of a voice. So when I read it, I, this is probably one of my favorite quotes. I just fell in mm-hmm. love with it. It's in, and also, really quickly. Oh, you ain't got to be quick. This is your show. We dance in the rain. Yeah. 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 Rain is, is a nice spring. Rain is therapeutic. Especially in hot Georgia. Absolutely. <laughs> we see that as a, pe- a place of peace. But mm-hmm. in thunderstorms, we know to sit down. Mm-hmm. And we like give that. a respect to it. And so that juxtaposition is necessary now. True. Mm-hmm. True. I like that. See, I knew you was coming with it today. You ready for the core interview? I'm ready. All right, let's, let's jump into this. All right, so we know that you are obviously all about change. You're all about people who look and sound and feel like us. So if you could take a moment and just tell the audience, and even myself, because I'm hyper-interested. What does change look like to you? What's the change that you want to see? Presently, the change that I want to see is a consistent urgency amongst Black people to figure out a way to work together, regardless of where we are socioeconomically. Right. And any sense of classism, experience. The greatest change to me is within us. Mm. That our, when we really consume and ingest, that our superpower is that collective strength. Mm-hmm. I would love, I would love to, to see that. As far as change in America, I mean, I think that takes an earthquake. Let's take, Earthquake and fire and all that. And uprooting and absolutely starting over. Mm-hmm. We're from a systematic place of change. So many people stood in line three to four hours a couple of days ago yeah. to vote in the primaries. It was an influx of numbers. Yeah. So I'm happy to see that because yeah. that's a part of change. But the most aggressive change in this space is that you won't have to sit and wait in line for three hours, four hours anymore because voter suppression is no longer a thing. Right. And that there are good candidates on the ballot. That's change. Yeah. That we can uplift black men in life and not have to hashtag them because of death. Yeah. That's change. Yeah. And that we can consciously, anytime we go to check out a goal, if we, resist Amazon and go to We Buy Black Mm -hmm. and Black and Green 
and the village market, unconsciously, we say, wait, let me go find a black person that I can buy this same thing from. Mm -hmm. That's just as essential, mm -hmm. but the purchase is much more intentional. That's right. That's changed to me. I can't wait for that. And that's the part of us that we don't need direction from white America do that, to do that. Right. We need a, a prompting from our own level of consciousness. Right. To be a physical change that we want to see in, a, in, a, in the part of the world that we can control. Systemic racism was not created by us. Right. And so I don't put that responsibility, that heavy birth for us to be this systemic change in America. But I do take, I do put it on us that we consciously buy black, that mm -hmm. we consciously support black, that we consciously employ black. And that change is also knowing when to be quiet and when to have private conversations amongst black people about black people. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You talked about a lot of types of change, right? And I agree wholeheartedly without question to every single one that you laid out. So as you, as you talk about finding our way to that change, what are some of the non-traditional ways that you think we can continue to enact that change? And to keep it in the theme of the episode, what acts of resistance can you see us doing to push us all closer to that change, to the conscious decision to go and support Black, right? How, how do we get there? We get there by being conscious. Say that. Period. We get there by being intentional. We get there by, even if it's not convenient for us to be there, we right. still go there. Because I don't think the neglect to support Black businesses, I don't always think it's this act of, I want to go white because it's better. Right. White is so potent. Right. It's convenient. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's, it's all everywhere. Yeah. It's all around us. It was built that way. Yeah. And so... Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. What that looks like, the, the act of resistance is resisting from normalcy. Yes. We have to resist that. And resisting this time to be about individual us, mm -hmm. but being about a collective us. And there's so much humble energy that goes into that. Right. So, and I go back to all the conversations that I saw about the candidate for president, who we have, who we don't have. Mm -hmm. At this time, I don't think 
it's important to who can sound the best, who can put so much theory in the world. What we, what we need now is practice. And how do we anchor down on a common goal to get the current president out of office? Say that that is an act of resistance. And we need some unity to do it, just like we you do. Said. And mm-hmm. being untraditional is that unity means your ideas won't always be the ones that we that that we follow. Yeah, and you have to be okay with that. And you sometimes. have to be okay with yeah. that. So you have to resist a part of yourself that always have to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta check that ego. You gotta check that ego, people. Absolutely. So you, you talked about the the presidential election and the, the current state of the country, right? And I am often uncomfortable with that. So the next question I want to ask is about being uncomfortable. We hear this statement made all the time. You have to become comfortable being uncomfortable in order to find your way to that change. Do you believe that yourself? And do you think it's necessary to implement societal change? So do I believe that it is necessary to be uncomfortable with change? Yes. We don't have to think about it from an intellectual way. Any right. change that we've ever had in life was uncomfortable. Right. When we're working to be summertime fine, those first days in the gym, <laughs> it's hard. Damn, so uncomfortable. <laughs> right. If we are picking up and moving to a new state, that change is hard because there was a comfort in where we were. Right. And there was a familiarity. And so, yes, there's a discomfort that comes with change, but this type of discomfort means that we have to disband our own privileges. Right. Oh, say that. To fight towards a common good. Because there are privileges that live, that are loud, that are very prevalent in our own community as well. Mm. And we have to be okay. Right. And have to leave with a level of consciousness. And it's the third hour working here where you understand that where you live is only one isolated space. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole nother existence for people that look just like you. Mm-hmm. And it's necessary to not speak from your vantage point of privilege. Mm-hmm. That we have to meet each other where we most occupy. And that's right. somewhere in the middle. Right. So I think... Um, that part of change is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think we're ready to let go of some of our black privilege in order or in benefit of the greater unity and the greater movement? Today, I'm, I'm not sure because I don't think our black privilege is being called upon. Right. Systemic racism is what's so loud right now. Amen. And when, but you mentioned there's going to be some months ahead yep. when the world gets quiet again. Yep and the marches cease, then the revolution within our own communities, I think that's where we will see if we're really ready to disband some privileges. Yeah. And so today, I'm not sure, because I don't think that's what that's what's being called upon. Right. It might not be necessary today, because there's some other things happening. Absolutely. I do think it's necessary today to start thinking about our own privileges. Yeah. Because we're going to have to be ready to fight a different fight in the next couple mm-hmm. months. 100%. So speaking of, of fighting that fighting and getting that change, what do you tell people? Well, let me back up. It's, it's obvious that you found a way 
to create change and change a status quo that you weren't comfortable with, right? And you went out there, you, you did it on your own. Well, when I say on your own, I mean with a team that you've pulled together and you found a way to live inside of that new reality. What advice do you have for someone who's sitting there today and they're like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of what's happening around me. I'm tired of what's happening to me, to my brothers, to my sisters. How do you recommend that person start finding their way to change? What acts of resistance? How do they do it? I think uh, I wrote about this a couple of days ago that it's important in this space to know what your space is right now. Right. And that's anchoring in on your gifts. So there are people who their gifts is in support. Mm. Whatever you're passionate about at this time, it needs your support. Right. There are people like myself and like you who are creators. Right. If there's something that has been living in us dormant, I don't think change is birthed just because of what's happening now. Right. I think that seed was planted long ago. If this is the thing that prompts it to grow, it needs to grow. So for those who are creators of change, whatever that has been lying dormant, we need it. Right. And we don't need you to question it. Right. We need it. And so... I know when I moved here, I knew one or two people. It, that did not deter me from creating what I saw in my mind. Right. I didn't necessarily know how I would do it, but I knew that I just had to move. Right. And so my advice to those who are itching to be a part, you have to be a part in the way that you are the most confident in right now. That's necessary so you can show up fully. Right. You don't have to do it the way you see other people doing it. The gift is you bringing your talents to whatever space and creating space for like people. But we all have to, I can't say enough, we all have to be dreaming towards the same shared outcome. That's so true. So we're talking about how you can go ahead and create that change for yourself. and. When I think about, when I walk into the village market now and, and I'm, I'm engulfed with all of this, just black, amazing black, I see like your vision come to life. But at some point, two years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, you had to be dreaming about something before you could really see it. You had to manifest something, right? What did it look like initially and how did you get it to here? It. It didn't look like something, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like something. I understand that completely. Yeah. So I can't, you know, I can't tell people that I did have a vision after, but I had a, a feeling first. Right. There's this space that is so necessary for Black people and right. energy where we feel our safest right. to be our brightest. Right. That's what I started to see. How do you create a environment, an ecosystem, a village right? where you could truly show up as bright and vibrant and excellent as you are, and no one is there to negate it. Mm. They're only there to celebrate it. That's what I saw. And then the pieces start, started to come because I'm a festival goer. I like markets. I'm a farmer's market type shopper. Right. And what I realized here in Atlanta, though... I think it was 1974 when the city was deemed the Black Mecca. Right. The city that was too busy to hate. I wondered, how is it possible to be in the Black Mecca at some of these larger festivals, these larger markets, 
and it's one or two black people. Yeah. But this is a city of black excellence. But what I was very conscious of, and maybe this is the Mississippian in me, I didn't want an invitation into white spaces. Right. I wanted our own. And the invitation in white spaces means we have to surrender things that we deeply believe in. Right. To be accepted in our space. And I saw some things that I liked, saw some things that I didn't like. And then I wouldn't follow or look at any other model because I didn't want anything to take away from that feeling in my mind. I needed it to be a space of not just circulation of black dollar, Mm -hmm. but circulation of black resources. Because before I had a marketplace, I had classes Mm -hmm. where leaders like yourself would come and teach. Mm -hmm. Before we can start thinking about generational wealth, we must have a wealth of knowledge in our mind to know what to do with it mm, mm. and how to collectively feed the village. So if I would have thought about generational wealth before I thought about unlocking consciousness and challenging what we're eating and challenging what we're reading and what we're thinking, it would have just been something else like everything else. Yeah. And that's not change to me. That's complacency. That's doing what you've always done. I'm going to catch a whiplash in here. Because all I'm doing is nodding and grinning. <laughs> all right, so let's look into the future, right? Let's say that the village market has served its purpose, right? It's, it's done everything right. It's changed our conscious and unconscious behavior when it comes to the black dollar and supporting black business, right? At the same time, let's say that the protests work, the marches work. Uh, let's say that the, the systems have been reworked and recreated, and we found ourselves in a position where social injustice and racism no longer even exist. What does that world look like? That's a really good question. Before I answer, I say this. <laughs> I'm very aware that systemic racism is so potent that it has put even limitations on my own dreams. Mm. That I wonder... That's a, that, that's a real statement. It is. It works so well. It works so well. I can't well. even see my way past it. Or even if I see my way past it, social conditioning has probably limited yeah. all what I could have seen. Yeah. So I'm very aware of that. But however, <laughs> <laughs> what I see, um, what I feel for us, I, I'm d- I deeply move based on feeling. What I feel for us when all the systems align, is the safest space to be who we are. Yeah, our entire selves. The, our entire selves. Our entire selves. Without fear. Without fear. Yeah. But when we rise with our entire, entire selves anyway, if we take away the conditioning, fear won't exist. Mm. I, I love it. So I that's what it. I see us going in and showing up fully. I also see this unconsciously, this unconscious decision to be supportive of each other. Right. Because we won't be given limited air to breathe. Right. The the social conditioning of limitation has made us be predisposed of there's only enough for me. And if I give my little bit away, I won't have. Right. And so in this space, in this dream space, there's no such thing as limitations. Right. There's land and opportunity for all of us. Mm. 
And so the constructs of community will operate how a village was designed, that everybody did their parts. And we all worked to actively towards the good of the whole. But genetically, we are predisposed for this. So the, the village that I dream, the village that you dream, the reason right. why we even have the audacity to dream this is because there was a space and time when we lived it. Right. And I think right. dreams are manifestations of life lived like long before us. it's already there. Yeah. And it's already been experienced. Do you know how good you are at this? <laughs> Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> Like I just have, I'll just sit back and I'm listening to you answer this question. And, and, and let me be clear, like, she had no idea that question was coming because I had no idea that question was coming. So there was nothing prepared to answer that question. And we just got, like, greatness. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm stuttering. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. <laughs> like, this is not a knock to any of our guests because they've all been dope. But there have been some times they're like, hold on, let's pause. Let me think. <laughs> this is not edited. Like, she did not... <laughs> was in there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, all right, so we talked about like what it what it looks like or even even more so what it feels like when when victory is is achieved, right? But in the meantime, we know that there's a reason the village market exists. There's a reason we're protesting. There's a reason all this is happening and it's because change is needed, right? Because acts of resistance are needed. And so I I want to take a moment and try to help someone who's struggling, right? What you've done looks beautiful from the outside, right? It looks like, holy shit, this is together. No bumps in the road, right? When I was at the market uh, before Christmas last, you know, the one before, the one you did before Christmas last year, when I was there, as I was walking through, like the Wakanda example is, is wonderful. Like I felt great. Like this is absolutely perfect. But I recognize that in what I saw as perfect, you probably still saw things for improvement, right? So because racism does exist, because you are trying to push this, this world forward and the thought process that we should consciously support black business, but we're doing it inside of a white construct that will not always want you to survive. What have been some of the ups and downs, the difficulties that you've had in pushing this black conscious message forward when most of the world may not be readily accepting of that, right? And the reason I'm asking this question is because there's someone right now who is trying to do something that we desperately need, and they are at a point of struggle, and they don't know how to get past the emotions they're feeling. How did you continue to push past when you, were, when, when you knew there were forces and people at play who did not want you to get there? Sorry, that was a long question. No, that's a, that's a really good question. Limba Chicken Chamin, a.k.a. Big Yo, it's Big Fred, a.k.a. That did Tuesday Wadi Podcast. Kiki Tubafetu, and we are The Sobering Podcast. Tune in to us every second Wednesday for fire conversations and interviews about South African music, sneakers, and street culture. Check us out on the Revolt Podcast Network. Shout out to our moms. And so there, there are several things. Let's start with emotions, and then we'll go to, like, tangible steps. Okay. I think when we realize that emotions will always exist, then we can just accept that we're going to have them. Right. You're going to feel disappointed. You're going to be let down. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be intimidated. You're going to question more times than you ever thought you would if you're good enough. Right. 
I don't know what honest person, what conscious person would ever be able to tell you anything different. Right. But since we got that out of the way, if you are afraid, you're still required to move forward. Mm-hmm. When you're tired, it is to your own detriment that you don't rest. Mm-hmm. Rest is vital for you to be revitalized. You cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot. And so what's also necessary in this process is being very careful with who you share your dreams with. So many people, I think it was Jay-Z, who said that everybody is scared. I don't know necessarily that everybody is scared, but I understood his point. Right. It's hard to tell dreams to non-dreamers. And it's, I respect how they got to a space where they were lucid dreaming, meaning they were half Mm -hmm. asleep, half awake. Mm -hmm. It's because their mind can't rest. Mm -hmm. I respect it. However, when you're telling your dreams, especially about change, you have to consciously write those dreams down, tell those dreams to yourself, and trust that like energy will come. And I'm he- and I, I'm preferencing this mm-hmm. because a part of this is very lonely in the beginning, because the people who you need to meet sometimes are not readily available. Right. And so I don't want to set anyone up for, for them to think that I have this thing and all my people are going to come. Right. Your people don't know to come yet because you haven't created it. Right. But that's why you must move forward in regards to steps of how you do it. It takes an action. You have to move. Right. <laughs> you have to start creating this thing that you see. You can always think about the long-term vision, but managing your expectations of your own dreams is so vital. Mm. I didn't start with 3,000 people coming to the village market. It's not that I didn't see them, but I also wasn't ready for them. Right. And so my goal was to make sure my first market, I had 300 people. Right. Had 3,000, I'm sure it would have broken your model before it was ready. Absolutely. And it would have broken my trust with, with community before mm. we were ready. Mm. That's the part of managing expectations of our dreams because when we are building in a space of change, people need it so desperately mm-hmm. that we can't fail at it. Right. I love that. It's needed so desperately that we can't fail at it. And so that's why I was very intentional with every part of the vision with the village market. Right. What you see there is all by design. There's a way I want when you walk in and my team, there's a way you should feel and be greeted at the door. Mm-hmm. It's required. Throughout the marketplace, you should read messaging that's celebrating your black excellence. Mm-hmm. It's required. I want everybody to feel that. Absolutely. Everybody should feel that. It stirs something inside of us. And so what I'm sharing there. Your dreams must be intentional. It's fine that your dreams are transactional. Mm-hmm. Money should be made. Right. But the intentionality is much more important than the money because the money will come. Mm-hmm. And so as you're writing the blueprint for your success, you think about how your business will first help one person. Right. And then it multiplies. 
when you're building, you must be very clear on who this person is that you're building for. Right. You're not building for all black people. It's not realistic. The market, village market is, it's not for all black people. I want right. all black people to come, but all right. black people won't. Right. I want it for the people who come. And so when we think about, and for these dreamers who are at home in the lab right now, in the ideations phase, who is the first person that you're doing this for? That's your target audience. Mm, mm, mm. And that person should multiply. Well, I'm going to say something kind of funny here. As you were building, you clearly must have had my mother-in-law in mm. mind. Because when we came to, I brought myself, my wife, and my mother-in-law. And, and Wild Black letting you in on, on a personal story. We were there, and we must have been there. I don't know. I mean, it was hours. Like, we were literally hours. So as we walked through the market, I was with myself and my wife, and I could not keep track of my mother-in-law. I love her then. Because let me tell you, <laughs> when she hit every booth, at wow. least I, I gave up. I went, I literally went and sat down in the corner up by where they were taking pictures at. I said, I'm just going to wait until she pops up. And that's when I realized that all this great speaking and inspiration was going on just next door. Like, I had no idea that was even happening wow. at first. So I went over there, and I sat back, and I listened to, to uh, Dr. Joy speak, and then mm. uh, the panel with Ryan Wilson and the other brothers were on it, and then there was the panel with Pinky. It was, I think there was something in between. But I, I mean, that shows you how long we were there. You were there. That was at least four hours. It was, sure was. Wow. <laughs> sure was. <laughs> but... I was happy to say I walked out with um, products from my beard. I walked out with uh, multiple watches, all from mm. black-owned companies. I walked out sampling food that I had never had that I never tried before. I walked out with. See, most people when we when we start talking about a market with black products, everyone went to soap and t-shirts, right? Mm. And they had soap and t-shirts. Don't get it twisted, but they also had so much other stuff. I can't, I can't wait till it's back up and running again. And right. I can't wait till COVID is behind us so we can get back to business. Okay, but let me get back to business, speaking of business, right? So we, we exist inside of this predetermined American system that's full of these parameters. It doesn't really have a lot of room for us to be who we are, our full selves. Yet you have found a way to be uniquely who you are, right? If I could bottle that and so that we'd be rich. <laughs> but how do you tell people to do that? And this is people who are in corporate America or are trying to be entrepreneurs. How did you get comfortable enough being your full black inside, outside, breathing black air self? How did you find your way to that space? Because it's not as easy as waking up and be like, you know what, today I'm me. Like, it, there's a process <laughs> involved. How did you get there? Years of work. I know that's the truth because I'm still working. Years of work. <laughs> and I'm still working. Right. That's the reality of it. Years of work. But I, I don't want to compromise. Mm. I want to live fully and I want to sleep, go to sleep every night knowing that I came as I was. Right. Not perfect. But if I said something, it was honest. If I did something, it was intentional. Right. I have no desire to compromise my excellence for anyone. Say that again. I am unwilling to do it. And what I also understood, that 
your unwillingness to compromise doesn't mean that you have disdain for anybody else. Right. You just have a deep appreciation for who you are. Yeah. And that's where I am. Yeah. I had to find, I call it my own pocket of air. Right. I remember being in spaces, in predominantly white spaces, when I was teaching. Mm-hmm. I grew in education pretty quickly to leadership. Mm-hmm. And so that means I was a part. I can see that. <laughs> that means I was a lot of, a part of a lot of conversations about black and brown kids. And I remember being afraid to say something. Right. And it was one of my longest rides home when I was living in Jackson, Mississippi. What up, Jackson? Right. Shout out. I was quiet in a meeting that I should have been loud. Mm. But I was afraid. I was afraid due to... I've got to... that same moment. Mm-hmm. And those moments hunt us. They do. They Even do. if no one knows but you. Mm-hmm. It haunts us. It's a minimizing feeling. It is. Yeah. To know that in any other space, if our jobs or respectability wouldn't be infringed upon, we would be loud and proud. And those mm-hmm. are called safe spaces. Yeah. And so anything that I, anything that haunts me, right. I face it. Right. I used to be afraid of heights, so I jumped out of a plane. Mm, yeah. I'm gonna let you have that one. I know. I'm gonna let you have that one. It's, it, you know, it's it's different. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't. It wasn't even anything anyone did. Right. It's what I didn't do that I knew I should have done, and I could not live with that feeling in, in any longer. So anytime I have an opportunity to speak up, mm-hmm. I speak. Funny, talking about um, that moment or that meeting where you didn't speak up and you should have. There's a moment for me where I may have talked about it on the show before. We were at work at one point and we took these, you know, we take these personality tests, Mm -hmm. right? This is who you are. And I remember getting the results and having a conversation with my manager. And she was like, let me guess who you are. And she came out with these colors and what they mean. And it was spot on to what the test said. And the entire time she was talking and every moment I spent analyzing the test, it made me feel horrible inside. And the reason was because I, what I recognized in that moment where if you were to ask me or any of the people who truly knew me, I was the exact opposite of what this test said. And, and what that told me was I was code switching so well. The duality that existed in me was so strong. I was two different people and I had to manage that. And what's, what's really tough about that is when I recognize it, it bothered me and I wanted to change it. But I also recognized that the change had to be slow mm-hmm. because if I flipped the switch, if I was even able to, to flip a switch, it would have disrupted everything that I did from nine to five. Mm-hmm. And whereas it may have felt good for me to a point, it would have disrupted my entire life. And it had to be a very slow change, one that I'm still changing. Right. And also change is gradual. Yeah. And beyond it being disrupting a workspace, if you would have flipped so quickly, you would have had regret about your change. Yep. Yep. And so the reason why it's necessary for change to be gradual, so your consciousness can catch up to where you are physically. And you're good at this. 
you. I, I need you with me all the time. So I said, you know what? Dr. Keith, this is what I'm feeling. Can you tell me how to say this? <laughs> Golly. <laughs> all right, so it, it's obvious to me, and I'm sure by now everyone listening, that without a doubt you're a hero, right? <laughs> hero of black business, hero of black people. Uh, and, and, and therefore, by extension, you must have an outfit. Right. You got to have your hero costume. My question mm-hmm. is, when did you notice your cape behind you? Multiple times. There were times I didn't notice it. Right. First off, thank you for allowing that. So many people are like, I'm not. No, no, you, 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 you got this cape. OK, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> if nothing else, we've learned we better be black, proud and loud. Mm-hmm. I have a cape and I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. There have been moments that I forgot that I had it and I needed to put it back on. When my cape was given attention. Because I wasn't, I didn't know that I had it at the time. It was actually my grandmother. Mm. I was. I, grandma was don't lie. They don't <laughs> lie. But when I, I was either nine or ten years old, and I'm happy she's not on this interview because she would take <laughs> over to tell the story. <laughs> but I, I come in and I was telling her about something that happened in the community, and she stopped. She stopped me and she said, "You're so different, and it's your gift." I would never forget this. Right. Because what she called, what I was frustrated about other things and what she saw in that moment that there was something different about me. Right. And that's the day that my, I stood up a little bit taller because my grandmother had put my cape on me. That's love, first off. That's love. That's that's love. And let me show you who you are. Let me show you, you who know. you are. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you why you're young who you are. Mm-hmm. Because the world would challenge to see if you know. Yeah. And so in education, when I was teaching in the Mississippi Delta, I realized I had a cape. I I love teaching. I think that's so unique. It's like you need to tell people. Not only who they are, but who they're capable of becoming before the world tells them that it's impossible, before they won't even believe it. Absolutely. That's why people credit when they go back in their life, if, you know, folks are winning whatever award, many of them are thanking the people who recognize them mm. first, before they were ever in that space. Yeah. You have people like, I thank my kindergarten teacher, because it's what a person saw you. Right. And you would never, we'd never forget the people who first saw us. Yeah. Because they gave us permission to see ourselves. Yeah. And teaching in the Mississippi Delta, I was 21 or 22 years old, and I had seniors. So they were like 18, and I had to pretend every day that I was 30. (laughs) And at that time, 30 was old. (laughs) I remember when 30 was old. It is not anymore. It is not old anymore at at all. Uh, But... Seeing my students literally transform the way they thought about themselves in the Mississippi Delta. Right. I remember we were reading James Baldwin then, and I incorporated an Africana Studies program in a school that didn't have one. Right. And so we're reading Asada. All the things you're not supposed to teach. I was going to say, because Lord knows I didn't get that. You didn't get that. You have to have a rebellious teacher who's young, <laughs> who, who don't understand their breaking rules yet or care. But... I realized then that I had a cape for being rebellious mm. and agitating systems. Right. It did my soul good to agitate and disrupt. Don't it feel good? It feels so good. And so I think those are times that I realized I had a cape. In the village market, at moments, I feel 
like, hey, this is a cool <laughs> thing here. <laughs> it's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. What would be your theme music? What's your superhero theme music song? Oh, it depends on the date. I, I love old school gospel. So Mississippi Mass Choir, but at any moment, Jay-Z can come in. <laughs> at any, it's, got the it's Mississippi Mass to... Choir featuring Jay-Z, Jay-Z. and Michelle Obama. And Michelle Obama. <laughs> and Michelle Obama. I love music. And I'm 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 a big hip hop fan. So yeah. gospel music and hip hop, those are those are my spaces. And people like Alice Smith, if, if she's amazing too. Heroes often empower while they save, right? It's it's just like the best heroes. They want to save you, but also make you better at the same time. Right. So for you, what are your go-to methods when you are being intentional about inspiring and empowering people? Teaching from a space of grace. What does that mean to you? Teachers teach. Right. Teachers do not dictate. Right. They facilitate thought. Right. They lead you to where you're capable of going. They don't tell you to get there. Right. And so whatever I share, I'm always sharing from a place of vulnerability or a space of teaching. Right. But not dictatorship. And... If we teach from a space of grace, then we truly meet people where they are. Right. And in this space and time, so many people are tuning into their own voice and their own activism. Mm -hmm. The OGs have to remember. We have to remember. Because we're good at something Mm -hmm. does not negate the fact that someone else isn't. Mm -hmm. It's truly meeting people for me in a space of compassion. And if we meet in a space of compassion, we pull out greatness right. within each other. And, the re- and greatness is unleashed and it jumps onto us. Right. But that's when, that's what I deeply care about the most when I have an opportunity to share space, when I have an opportunity to teach and share what I've learned. I exist in a duality, a conscious duality, it's an intentional duality. That the same day that I'm asked to teach, earlier that day I was a student. And before mm-hmm. I go to, go to sleep at night, I'm a student again. Yes, indeed. I'm constantly in a place of learning so I, I can share. Learning so I can impart. Not learning so, we can, so I can separate myself. So I can sound so smart and do a thing so I can be praised. I only sincerely care about our community being well. I feel you on that. I, I want to learn so that, that so that I'm not alone. I want mm-hmm. everyone to to know the same things that I know, so we can be community. We can build together, and we can just we can take over things. That's that's how I look at. It. I want to take some shit over. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. I've got two more questions. Uh, really, I only had one, but I gotta ask both of these. Typically, these are both closing questions, and I use them sometimes. But I want your answers for both of them, right? Okay. So the first one is. It is obvious from even before the moment your grandmother put your cape on you and made sure you knew it was there, that you had the ability to dream further than you can see, right? And I'm, I'm also from Mississippi, and this is not a negative about Mississippi whatsoever, but they are limited, much like many Southern states are mm-hmm. in their ability to drive us forward, right? As I grew up, if I wanted to be successful, my options that I felt doctor, lawyer, engineer, teacher, fireman, policeman, along those lines. No one Mm -hmm. told me 
I could be a graphic designer and still be happy. No one told me I could be an entrepreneur. I figured that out along the way. For you, what advice do you have for someone, whether young or old, right, to, to see further than they can dream? No, let me back up. Let me say that right. To dream further than they can see. How can they find their way to a reality that they don't even know exists today? It takes a level of consciousness. And this is not an easy thing. Right. But it takes literally closing your eyes and muting all spaces around you. Going to a place of serenity so your creativity, your consciousness can be free. Mm. The reason why we cannot see and dream it's because there's so much con- literally pressing down on us right. in our minds. So I challenge people to be quiet. I challenge people to stop seeking, mm-hmm. like stop searching for it, and literally just close your eyes and see where your own mind goes. I also challenge us to do something different than what we've ever done. Our habits have to change. Maybe I should jump out of a plane. Jump out of a plane. (laughs) Our habits have to change. Um, The things that we search for, what we're doing on social. Right. It has to be different because if not, we're going to keep seeing and doing and being the same. Right. All of it, again, is is a part of taking an action. Right. But true visionaries, I don't believe, force thought. Yeah. Yeah. They isolate themselves in quietness. I think that when we get quiet, the reality we run into is that there's a lot more inside of us than we recognize. Mm -hmm. And we spend so much time looking in other places, in other rocks, to find what it is that we look for, that we dismiss our own internal abilities. I found that my moments when I'm most clear and when I'm able to be, and this is going to sound awkward, but some of my most productive moments are 3 a.m., when I'm laying in the bed, I'm not working on anything, but the clarity of mind that I have to identify a path that, that I'm ordained to be on become crystal clear. And it's in those moments that I can do all the strategic thought and planning that I need to get up the next morning and just start driving and getting there. And, and for me, although you know productivity has been explained to us as efficiency, words per minute, uh, how strong are your notes? How many decks did you build? For me, it's the exact opposite. It is being productive is often being quiet so I can see the path to where I'm trying to go. And then in the morning, I can be tactical, right? And, and that has been something that has proven true for me many, many times over. It's also like I have a lot of trouble sleeping at night because my brain turns on and it talks and I don't have control of it. I have just learned to shut up and listen. and it's. There's an actual voice there. Maybe someone's going to think I'm crazy, but that's okay. Um, There's an actual voice that I can hear, and it tells me where to go. And And I think from a spiritual lens, my grandmother would be proud, but I think it comes to you at 3 o'clock in the morning because there's nothing that's competing with it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's the voice of your higher self. Yeah. I think that's the voice of God because you use the words of being ordained. Yeah. Meaning you're not trying to situate yourself on a path. You're being humble enough to know that you must be placed on a path. Yeah. And that you have to walk towards it. Yeah. 
quietness is to me the first gift of action. Without question. Without. Without question. Without question. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Last question. If you are given a microphone, a megaphone, a direct connection, something that hasn't even been invented, but every person, every black person in this case, and not just in America, everywhere, would hear your message to them. And it's delivered in a time of radical change like what we're seeing right now. What is the message that you want them to know, hear, feel, do, or remember? I want us to remember who we are. Mm -hmm. I want us to remember anything that has been taken away simply because it was the space that we could be the most powerful. Mm. And so if you've been stripped of anything, mm. if you've been neglected of anything, if you've been suppressed of anything, apparently power exists there. Go towards the spaces that, of the things that have been ripped away from us. Something is there. I would tell us to be young in spirit, gifted in our talents, black in our essence, are the ingredients of our superpower. Mm. And that we can't get young, we can't get old in our youth for change. Even if we get exhausted, rest, but we can't stop. And we're not requiring nor relying. We can't require nor rely on anyone to do for us. We do for self. Mm. You are good at this. <laughs> you are really, Thank you. really good at this. Um, that's my last question. So what I always do at the end is we give the mic to our guest, let them close out by telling the listeners whatever it is that's on your heart to share. But we do ask, especially in a case like this, please share how they can connect with you, follow you, learn from you. And then we'll get out of here. Leave us with some call of action. We have a responsibility in November. We have a responsibility before November. In Georgia and across the United States, voter suppression is real. Mm-hmm. Figure out now what organization you want to be a part of to register folks to vote and to even be democracy warriors, meaning you sign up to work the polls mm -hmm. to make sure people have access to voting. Agitate the Secretary of State. Annoy the governor. They need the annoyance mm -hmm. because we need change to happen. Donate to organizations who are doing the work, especially those who are on the field. Because when corporate companies are seeking to give, they're giving to national legacy organizations, and those things are good. But your local grassroots organization needs your creativity, your being on fire, and your money more than anything now. Next call of action is when you click purchase, ask yourself, 
is this from a black business? And if it's not, let it be because it can't be. Mm. Not because you didn't choose to look. The greatest, one of the greatest injustices in this country is income inequality and economic inequality. We cannot change this. A white family literally makes 11 times more than a black family. We can't change systemic racism. We can consciously choose where we spend our money. And I ask you, I deploy upon you to spend your money where your people are. And I ask us to be well, that self-care is truly a revolutionary act. Love yourself the most so you can have something else to give. Actively tell black people that you see them. Offer up grace and love and compassion for us. We need it. Our wounds are literally punctured. So don't be a part of the problem where we puncture each other more. So let your words be passionate and proactive and not poisonous. You can follow The Village Market on The Village Market ATL on all platforms. Amazing black businesses. If you are a black business owner, we have a plethora of classes now. The ways that we are looking to build businesses from offline to online and the several resources. So if you are a black business owner who operates in excellence, we have space for you. The village is literally for all of us. If you want to read some tweets from me every now, every now and then, <laughs> follow me on Instagram on all platforms at Dr. Key Hallman, D-R-K-E-Y-H-A-L-L-M-O-N. And I love us. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. I am overjoyed at what you laid down. I'm appreciative of your time, and I'm expected of your future. I can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you. With that, Wild Black, we love you. We out. Peace. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.